Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your Joker-esque host that's never seen in this film, Javi. <laughs> and uh, this week we're actually... Uh, we, we were actually going back and forth on which movie we should do this week. Uh, a little peek behind the curtain. But we ended up deciding at the uh, at the last moment that we wanted to revisit a film that... It's, it's time in theaters was cut short... It- Right, it came and went, and thanks to the coronavirus, unfortunately, this did not get much attention as it deserved, or didn't. I don't know. Well, to be fair, it was, it it it, it didn't really have that great of a uh, opening or theater run before this happened. Anyway, uh, this was just a good excuse, kind of, for for Warner Brothers to try to push it out onto a home video market nice and early. I, I for whatever reason, right? I know there was a ton of uh, anti-feminist backlash against this film, and I'm not saying that anyone who has a differing opinion on whether it's a good film or not, that's the reason why. But much like when we talked about Star Wars, there just was a lot of blowback on it, specifically because they made a big deal about the fact that it's a uh, that the director's a woman, and Margot Robbie was taking a much more uh, producer role and just taking much more ownership over the material that this film covers as we know angel and i are huge nerds and whenever it comes to comic books movies or just any nerd shit there's just this really weird anti-progressive anything and it's not necessarily like just politics it's just it's just like writing a good fucking story, but because it changes certain characters, some people just immediately start screeching like fucking howler monkeys and throwing shit all over Twitter. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what opinion or how well thought out it is, because it immediately gets screeched out. Um, yeah, this movie faced a lot of backlash, and just for the fact of it, like having a mostly female cast, just really like really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But, you know, it's really important to point out, like, this is a very fucking strong cast. Like, this, like Angel said, that Margot Robbie was a producer, but that you also got to marry Elizabeth Winstead. You had uh, Rosie Perez, who uh, we fucking love Rosie Perez on this show. I just want that to be said. And then, um, crap, who am I, oh, I always, like, mispronounce her name. Julie Smollett? Julie Smollett-Bell? Journey Smollett-Bell. Yeah, Journey Smollett-Bell, <laughs> who I cannot help but want to call Smoulye, thanks to uh, that stupid-ass Dave Chappelle sketch on her brother. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, her brother is Jesse Sm- uh, Smollett, or Smoulye. <laughs> now I can't even... I don't even now you can't pronounce it right. Uh. Fucking Dave Chappelle sketch. But yes, that is... Uh, she. We obviously remember her more as, a, as the character that she played on uh, Friday Night Lights. She was uh, Vince's girlfriend in the last two seasons. I forget her character's name, but she ends up becoming the assistant coach by the final season of the series. Uh, and I just, yeah, she's just a, she's a fantastic actor actress. Uh, she did another series, uh, God, that was really that was really good and really popular in the last few years. But yeah, she's definitely been kicking around. And I think one of the things we talked about is. You know, Friday Night Lights is one of our favorite television shows of all time that we both agree on, <clears throat> and uh, it's nice to see a lot of the characters from particularly those later years <laughs> that end up uh, kind of blowing up out of that cast. 
for those of you that don't know, that's pretty much like where Michael B. Jordan got his start, and you can see very young and nubile, like Michael B. Jordan playing a down on his luck like rookie quarterback for like the uh, the crappy team in town. He did a great job. He, I mean, he's a talented actor, he, and you can see that right from the beginning. So yeah. also that's a fun al- thing. Also, uh, um, gosh, the other guy who comes out of that cast as well. Uh, Jesse Plemons. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Meth Damon. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone will remember as fucking fuck. I forgot the kid's name, but yeah, he's the one that looks like Matt Damon that killed the kid in the uh, in Breaking Bad. Fucking fantastic. I love that guy. He's a really he 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 knows how to play a villain. He knows how to play a villain. I'll give him that. I think there's no way to really start talking about this film unless we start at Batman versus Superman. Well, I mean, there's plenty of ways. I think we got to start with Suicide Squad, if anything. Absolutely, but I mean, you particularly we can talk about Batman versus Superman and defend that. Abortion, <laughs> well, well, okay. So DCEU, this is exactly where we're going back. This is a DCEU property. This is a DCEU film. It is a direct sequel, even though it wants to ignore ties to the previous film. But it is a direct sequel to 2016 Suicide Squad. A I mean, movie. Is it though? It's a spinoff. I don't call it a sequel. This is it's, where extended universe after. films become super weird. Like, you can't really call certain things sequels. Like, would you call, like, Infinity War a sequel to, you know, Captain America Civil War? Like, Yes. Know. In terms of, if you're, if you're looking at the chronology, let's put it this way. We're talking about the chronology of DCEU, right? Which is something that, for the most part, is being ignored. We're never going to get Ben Affleck's Batman, I think... Uh, Henry Cavill is done with Superman, so... Uh, I think we're done with him as Superman. <laughs> I think everything is just about, like, you know, it, it obviously everything is going a completely different direction. But I will say that, you know, and I've talked about this before, the promise of the possibilities of where DCEU could go coming off of Batman v Superman was something that I was always excited for. And one of the things that I was highly disappointed in when... Batman v Superman bombed, and Suicide Squad bombed, and then Justice League bombed. When all these like things like you know did not go as we wished, uh, it, it obviously the party was over, right? And and but we then... weren't oh, and I'm we sorry, weren't man. gonna see and we weren't gonna see you know what Ben Affleck's Batman world looked like, despite getting hints at what could possibly happen. But um, then a bunch of big wigs over at DC were like, you know what? Let's fucking roll it back and not try to play Marvel's game, and let's just focus on single character scenes or single character stories. And that's when they put out bangers like Aquaman and Wonder Woman and some third one I can't remember. Wonder Woman is a banger. Aquaman is not Shazam, that, is not that Shazam great. Was a banger. Shazam is fantastic. I love that movie. It's so funny. You can, I, I will let you slander. Aquaman because I haven't seen it. I'm, I'm not like slandering Aquaman. I'm just, just saying that. It, but that's not here nor there. No, I'm absolutely not. I'm, I'm just I will, saying that compared to the other films, it's just not as strong. That's all I'm saying. I can speak louder and be therefore more right than you. <laughs> so shut up. That's what I learned from the internet. <laughs> but one thing anyway. I, did, I did know about when Suicide Squad came out uh, was that they had planned several Harley Quinn projects. One of them was going to be a Harley <laughs> Quinn movie. They saw money. 
Yeah, one of them was going to be a Harley Quinn movie by herself. One of them was going to be a Joker uh, and Harley Quinn film, which would have been Jared Leto and Margot Robbie again. (laughs) And uh, the other one that I heard about was Gotham City Sirens, right? Which is kind of what this turns into. Birds of Prey is. Yeah, which kind of basically turns into this, because it was essentially like a, you know... Not a heist movie, but like a caper, right? Um, with these several of these characters coming together. Uh, when I found that it was Birds of Prey, I was obviously super fucking excited because I love Birds of Prey just in general. I, I just I'm a fan of the stories. Um, I like Huntress. I think she's great. I I was excited by the fact that Mary Elizabeth Winstead was was picked to play her. Um, I. I didn't hate the casting of uh, of of Journey uh, Journey Smollett, right? Like I, I we'll thought just she call was... her Vince's girlfriend. <laughs> Let's just call so her reductive. No, let's just call her Journey. Journey's easy, all right. Well, from here on, she doesn't need a last name. Journey's right. easy. Yeah, we'll just do we're with all, Journey. We're on first name basis with all the women in this film. Or we could just call her Black Canary, because I. You know, I, my wife and I are a huge are huge fans of the Black Canary character, and uh, I always felt that one of the things I hated the most about that Arrow television series was the way that they had completely ruined you know Laurel Lance's character in that in that television show by making her a ridiculously unlikable character. Hey, Laurel. Um, <laughs> and we were finally going to get Dinah in, in Dinah Lance in this. And the funny thing, too, is is it never... Arrow never felt like Black Canary to me. When I picture the character of Black Canary, I always have pictured the singer in a nightclub. And this, we will get into it. But, yeah, I definitely knew about this project coming out. Um, I understood that there wasn't really a lot of hype around it. But the fact that she was in it, the fact that um, that that we were bringing Rosie Perez back, who I I have hardly seen in anything. I think the only other thing I've ever seen with her that we've talked about is <laughs> is freaking uh, right yeah, is do the right thing. Like I've never really never watched a film where she was such a main it. character in it. Hmm? I mean, I don't think we reviewed anything else with her in it, and the only thing that comes to mind. Recently, that she would have done, and I feel really bad because it was like almost ten years ago now, is like fucking Pineapple Express. You know, like I can't really right. imagine. She was in that film? Yes. Yes. yes absolutely. Gary Cole's uh, girlfriend slash like dirty cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you know what? Like I'll say it now. I love Rosie Perez. I absolutely love Rose Perez, amazing fucking actress, you know, especially here, like, where she's playing this, you know, she's playing uh, Renee Montoya, and she's supposed to be playing, like, kind of an amalgam of every, like, cop stereotype <laughs> as far as, like, you know, hero cop goes. Um, what The only reason I wasn't too crazy about Rosie Perez being the uh, Renee Montoya for this film is... I would have preferred someone younger, but that's only because I personally would have wanted her to branch out into a partnership with The Question, who is one of my, like, favorite, like, hipster DC characters. 
Because I don't know if you ever read it, but DC ran the series called the uh, 52, which is supposed to take place a year after uh, Batman, uh, Superman, and Wonder Woman all go on hiatus. Mm-hmm. And it's like how the how the superhero community kind of like tries to fill in the void, right? So uh, Vic Sage, who is the question, tra- uh, finds out that he's actually dying. He kind of takes over that Batman role as a detective. And he brings in Renee Montoya and trains her on how to be essentially a superhero. And then she takes over the question mantle when he dies. And like she, they, they had like a fantastic run where she was like the question and how like she fit in the whole superhero community. And I would have loved to see that. But don't get me wrong, I still loved her in this film. So just want to put that out there right now. Um, the other one is uh, we have Ewan McGregor playing Black Mask in this, and Fabulous. funny and funny enough, like I, I I pictured okay on film when before we had the third Dark Knight film that came out, right? Um, mm-hmm. There were rumors for months before it ended up being Bane that was the villain in that film. There was rumors for months that lots of people thought that because at one point uh warner brothers really wanted to cast uh leonardo dicaprio in a role right and it was like widely Mm -hmm. reported that they were either going to cast him as the riddler or black mask and it was going to be it you know grim gritty and all that kind of stuff i would have never anticipated that they were going to take this character in the direction that they do the same with victor's as but i highly Mm -hmm. I'll get into how what my feelings are about that, but the fact they casted Ewan McGregor is stoke stroke of brilliance on my part, like f- just from my thinking, because I feel like I think we've talked about it before. We love him on this podcast, and he could play whatever the fuck he wants, and we'll still just fucking drool over it. So he was almost if he uh, he almost didn't get the role. One of the fun facts I want to share is that before Ewan McGregor was cast as Black Mask, there was two other people attached to play uh, Black Mask before him, one of which being Charlotte Copley from, uh, you know, District 9, and everyone's favorite rad dad and lovable loser, Sam Rockwell. And I'm pretty... I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Sam Rockwell, but I'm so happy it was Ewan McGregor. He was fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, especially since Sam Rockwell already played an Iron Man, like a, a foil in Iron Man. Like, was his name I, Hammerstone? Or yeah. Or fucking some generic bad guy? I forgot what it was. Right. But yeah, so. Justin Hammer or some shit. But anyway, let's get into the movie, I guess, because we haven't done that yet. Um, this movie picks up right after the Joker breaks up with Harley Quinn. And they start with an animation, and they kind of make it a point. <laughs> they make it a point to not animate the Joker the same way that uh, he looked in Suicide Squad. So bringing, you know, what you wanted more than anything, which is, like, we're going to erase the memory of Jared Leto now. Uh, immediately. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> immediately before, like, but, okay, never mind. I'll, I'll bring it up when it, when we get to it a little bit later. Yeah, so uh, he we we are immediately told to not you know think about this other thing. But funny enough, like I this really this film, what I appreciate about it more than anything is I feel like it absolutely nails the style that I wanted out of Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, the original trailer was dark and it was awesome, and we all hoped that it was going to be kind of like this you know this dark like kind of 
grittier film. Like, it looked really gritty to me when we saw the original Comic-Con trailer before mm-hmm. they released the Queen music trailer that came after, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like once that trailer I feel like we got hoed, Yeah, once that trailer came out and got really popular, they force changed a lot of what that film was, and we'll never really get to see what uh, David Ayer's, like, real vision was for that, right? Uh, this one, the David Ayer's cut. <laughs> this one is is really just... They got to start at the very beginning and, and nail a, a funnier tone. Not funny, but, like, it just a much more, like, wild, out-there aesthetic. And because it was an R-rated film, which really I didn't even think about until it was near coming out... Uh, They've definitely, they were able to to really kind of take it in different directions from where, from where Suicide Squad was. We don't have Will Smith anymore. Uh, we don't have to deal oh, no, with some. Terrible. We don't have generic villains anymore. Uh, you know, generic monsters fucking, that we're fighting. Uh, we don't have light shooting off into the fucking sky, <laughs> which is the most overused goddamn trope in superhero movies. Yes. Um, it, we're, we're getting, we're again, we're getting a caper. We are getting, I feel like what a Tarantino wannabe uh, kind of comic book film would be like. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. But I did want to mention that I honestly do think they heavily leaned into the comedy angle of this film, which isn't a bad thing. It definitely helped it out. Um, there were, yeah, there were some fantastic jokes throughout the film. It just, I think what they were, it, it felt that they tried to emulate the Deadpool, um, the Deadpool formula and that they were like, okay, so of course an R rating allows us to have more action scenes, a little bit grittier action, um, and what we can do. But as far also with the writing and the character development, they were able to play around with the script and, and have these characters, just kind of really deep dive into shit, especially, and I think it definitely played out better for a character, say, like Black Mask, who's a ruthless gangster and can only do R-rated shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, otherwise, if you have a guy, if you have a character like, um, like Sionis and fucking, um, in a PG-13 movie, you're just gonna kneecap your character, and ultimately, I think that's what kind of hurt Suicide Squad is that they, they, you know, they tried too much to copy Marvel. Suicide Squad should get, have been an R-rated film if they really wanted they to go to for, it, yeah, if they really they wanted to, to go for something worth watching. Galaxy, you know? Yeah, exactly. They really tried to turn it into a DC Guardians, and it really didn't. Which is funny enough, because the guy who made Guardians is going to make the next Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> <laughs> so we probably are still going to see something that's more like that, but. You know, I, I think what I appreciate about this movie too, and I think we talked about it because this movie we saw it, we saw it re- more recently for this review. Uh, but originally, when we first saw it, we watched it together in the movie theater. Uh, I think it was in February, right? Mm-hmm. God, it feels like six to eight months ago now. <laughs> but, I know, fucking March was the longest year ever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like you know, back in the days when we could leave the house and go to movie theaters. That's what we did for this film. <laughs> you remember what the sun looks like? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember one of the things that we discussed uh, coming out of that movie. And one of the things that I love about this is this movie takes place in a Gotham City that feels just... It's L.A. 
It is mm. so L.A. to me. It was filmed in L.A., and the, the entire vibe behind this film is L.A. It takes place in Southern California. And, um, from the like... industrial park to, like, just the locations they drive through, driving by the L.A. River. Yeah, like, very much so. But not just, not just the, you know, uh, not just L.A., I guess, it, but also just it felt connected enough to the... Batman uh, Joker scene that we saw like in a flashback in Suicide Squad, it felt exactly the same as that place. Uh, the Ace Chemicals is exactly the same as what we saw in Suicide Squad before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it felt like it took place in that same city, but we were just in a different part of that city. But this just really felt to me like 60s Batman Gotham City. Like that is mm-hmm. what this place was. All the villains in this universe exist they're out there. They all occupy different corners of the city. And we just happen to be looking at that corner of the city that's occupied by Sionis and Harley Quinn in this uh, series. Which is awesome because it makes Gotham City feel giant and sprawling. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you are just in one section of, this, of the city. Um, having it like, take place it, in a location like Gotham City, it just... It's it settles you into this movie so much more than Suicide Squad did because Suicide like Squad you, tried to do the thing of going to way too many places and it felt really generic. This one, the style all comes from where they are. Like you have a love affair with the Narrows. Sorry, I kept like trying to jump in, but yeah, like you have a you have a love affair with the Narrows from uh, specifically from Batman Begins. And but what it always felt like was at least in Batman Begins and like the Dark Knight trilogy, like the like, yeah, like it, it takes place all in the same city and everything just felt bunched up. But like you were saying here, that the I don't know if it's whether like you said the aesthetic or the style, everything does still feel connected, but still like okay, everything is so massively controlled that you can literally film a movie like on a completely different side of quote unquote Gotham city and tell me it takes place at the same time of this film. And it's just like, just the scale, um, which, which they like film and like the cinematography in this movie, I could be like, yeah, I get that. Like the, the, this is just a Gotham city where crazy shit's happening all the time. And villains just live among the, you know, like these costume people just live among the, the, the townsfolk or the city folk, just like no problem. It just feels like the amount of stories that you can tell in this city are endless. Like, you know that Joker is in another part of this city occupying it. You know that probably Penguin is in another part of the city. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, I appreciate that quality of it to where it feels like, yes, you are looking at kind of like what uh, Marvel's, like, uh, Daredevil series did uh, is where it did feel like it was MCU. It felt like you were in the same city that Avengers took place in, but you were just in one corner of that city, so it makes the universe feel a lot bigger. That's what Mm -hmm. this does. And I appreciate that because I just was really sad. I I never thought that we were going to be able to see this, uh, you know, because of the false start (laughs) that was Batman v Superman and Justice League. So, Uh, But anyway... it sounds like DC is definitely going to stay the course, and we'll see where it goes from there. But, yeah, like right. you were mentioning, so, I guess moving forward... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So we're we're going to have to apologize a lot for talking over each other, because the fact that we can't see each other makes it so much more difficult to record it this way. But regardless, okay. uh, Harley Quinn gets drunk in Black Mask's club, 
Uh, I love when your hero gets drunk. Like, that's the first thing they do. And, uh, yeah, she does all sorts of shit. And, you know, but we're introduced to a Harley that gets away with everything that she wants because she's been with the Joker. Uh, It gives her immunity over everyone else. And, you know, she really did feel like crime royalty uh, at the beginning of this film. Obviously because no one knew yet that uh, she and Joker were not together. Uh, so she gets away with with crippling uh, with crippling Black Mask's driver uh, by jumping on his legs and making them yeah. bend like backwards. Um, oh, this movie has no problem. Like it is an R rating, and they have no problem using that with some of the gnarly fucking like body horror effects you see go on like harley quinn has something against kneecaps because she fucking breaks a lot of people's kneecaps in this movie (laughs) no and i don't want to get i I really don't want to get us to talk about this film in a quote-unquote like order just because the film is so out of order and what i mean oh it jumps around totally Yeah. yeah so what i meant by like a tarantino wannabe film it's not just it's not to be like an insult to the person who did it it's just, it's obviously not a Tarantino film the way Tarantino would do it because his style is just. It's but you're his own. pulling from Tarantino's type of storytelling. Exactly. It is exactly that. You're taking a film that, that's not in chronological order and you're putting the bits together. And so, mm-hmm. so it, separately from this night, uh, Harley Quinn, I think it's, I believe it's the next night after this, uh, she ends up stealing a semi uh, from this. Uh, from a truck driver because you know she talked about how her special place that she had with uh the joker was ace chemicals so she like hijacks this semi and lets it crash into the into the uh, chemical plant exploding into a giant like colorful colorful Fucking like it looks like a fucking clown is just puking into the fucking sky and out into the ether. <laughs> like it was really cool effect. Right. Um, and while this is happening, we get introduced to uh, uh, to Montoya. Montoya. Mm-hmm. So she's a you know fucking hard boiled detective for the LAPD. I mean GCPD, <laughs> <laughs> and she's investigating all these mob killings. And I love the joke where they'll be like. Where Harley Quinn is, because Harley Quinn is the uh, narrator, where she, like, is like, oh, yeah, is, is, she's the one that likes using cheesy 80s movie lines, like, there was more than one shooter. And, <laughs> like, I don't know why, it was just so fucking stupid and funny. Well, yeah, because, I mean, if you, if you do too much of that, you run the risk of making a character, like, unrelatable and unlikable. And I think mm-hmm. what really helps with her is that she also explains... That Montoya is someone who does all the work in her department, but gets none of the credit. And the guys who do end up getting the credit are guys. And you see them? It's hilarious how they fucking, like, have the cops dressed, because, uh... You see it later on, but all the fucking uniforms our officers are on, like, these fucking, like, high-cut, like, super tight button-up shirts... With their fucking biceps popping. Like, they just look like total fucking douche bros. <laughs> and meanwhile, Montoya is like, anytime she asks them to do any sort of thing, they just fucking ignore her until her male partner, like, finally tells him to do the same thing. And yeah, like, and, and if I remember correctly, her one of her big arcs was that um, she broke open a case, her partner took the credit, 
And that's pretty much the, the story of her career. Every time she's the one that actually makes any sort of headway in any case that comes her way, someone else comes in and gets all the accolades, and she's just stuck eating shit. And this time she's actually able to uh, figure out what's going on in this uh, mob killing. And it's like an Italian restaurant, and she pieces together that someone came in with a crossbow and assassinated, had one person in mind, but ended up killing everyone else around, was able to figure out who it was. So they dubbed this person the crossbow killer. And during this time, there's a huge explosion, shakes everyone. Montoya races to the scene of Ace Chemicals, finds the necklace that belonged to Harley Quinn, and finds out that uh, Harley and Joker have broken up. Yep. <laughs> Which I like that Montoya like refers to it as publicly updating her uh, relationship status. <laughs> so immediately her um, her immunity amongst all the criminals in Gotham City is gone. And the mm-hmm. next portion of the film, uh, which is an awesome, like, <laughs> an awesome it's chase gag, is, yeah. uh, is where, you know, the movie does this thing where Harley's, like, running through the streets of Gotham, like, in Chinatown, and she, <laughs> all the people that are ch- that run into her and are chasing her, like, you know, the, the camera, like, stops, uh, it, it freeze frames on them in the way Suicide Squad did which only did it in post you could tell it was post-production right like mm-hmm. when you saw it in suicide squad they tried to force in a lot of the licensed music along with like those crazy credits but this one was way better the way they did it oh, here yeah. was just was much better it it, it it felt like part of the style of the film so it didn't feel like something that was shoved in in, pro, in post uh and then it shows them the name of this character and what their beef against Harley is which I thought was pretty funny especially when you were remembering a uh character who you know uh once she runs into him <laughs> he's got tattoos on his face and she's like asking what did I she's like can you just tell me what I did to you <laughs> and, he, and then you get like a flashback scene of like the Joker like forcibly uh giving the guy a tattoo on his face <laughs> and finding out that he did it because Harley Quinn dared him <laughs> and he like gave him a fucking like clown face tattooed yeah, and and all of that was uh, because Harley obviously woke up mega drunk from the night before, or like, just super there. hungover, uh, and she was going to see the most delicious, disgusting breakfast sandwich you've ever seen in a movie. My favorite thing, and I told you about this after <laughs> the fact, was after the chasing, so she buys a sandwich, right, gets chased by Montoya and a bunch of fucking randos that want all, all want a fucking piece of Harley now that she's no longer protected by the Joker. And I remember watching the trailer, and there's this part in the trailer where, like, you know, they have the fucking opera music going off, and it just, like, pans on, uh, on Harley Quinn fucking reaching her arms out, crying, and I was like, oh, shit, someone important dies in this movie and then i was like damn i wonder who dies so right away (laughs) as soon as like this gag goes on you find you see the slow-mo shot of her getting tackled by montoya and the egg sandwich going flying and apparently that's the part where she's fucking reaching out with her hands outstretched crying her eyes out and i'm like oh i feel stupid (laughs) (laughs) really dumb now 
<laughs> but yeah, that whole scene is fantastic. She manages to get away. Like you were saying, um, she runs into this dude with the clown tattoo who immediately ends up getting killed by the crossbow killer. And, uh, you know, Harley Quinn thinks that the crossbow killer is there for her too. Crossbow killer ends up leaving. And then she gets, uh, surrounded by Victor Zaz and, a bunch of uh, Roman Sionis' men. Because, of course, now that they know that she's no longer protected, it's free game for all the terrible, terrible things she does in Roman Sionis' club. Right. And as that, and as that, all of that is going on, that's where you also get the, in between all of this, you get the introduction to Dinah Lance, uh, Black Canary, in the awesome scene where she's singing, you know, It's a Man's World uh, in the nightclub. And, you know, when she hits the high note, it breaks the glass in there. And it's just, it is, like I said. Alluding to her powers, yeah. Like I said, it is just, this is my favorite character in this movie. And I didn't know how how I was going to, like, feel about it when I saw it. Because, you know, for whatever reason, it's just, it's, sometimes you don't see it with casting for whatever reason. But, yeah, the way that they, that they, that they shot her in the nightclub singing the song you know it's just it was perfect it is how i see it in the comics and i absolutely loved it and so she ends up going from being just the singer in the nightclub to uh black master driver and Mm -hmm. she also is at the same time uh montoya is trying to get her to become an informant for her uh to try to catch sionis so she, the way she becomes Sionis's driver is because I guess the the earlier in, in the in the movie when uh, Harley Quinn originally got super drunk and uh, at the Black Mask's uh, bar, I'm sorry, his nightclub, uh, she was getting picked up by this random creepo dude that kept buying her drinks. Um, and it was that night we actually later find out Harley Quinn uh, tells Dinah, like, she's the first person that knows that Harley Quinn and Joker broke up. And at this point, even though it's, you know, a lot, like, Harley Quinn and a lot of her behaviors played up for laughs. Like, you know, she has that real moment with Dinah where she tells her, I don't know what to do because I've always been Joker's girlfriend. And that's kind of like what's defined me. Um, not necessarily like that because she was also hammered as shit, but, but, you know, like that's kind of like the, 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 the general spiel that she gives her. Uh, so later in the morning when, when this dude is trying to carry Harley Quinn out, um, Dinah actually saves Harley by kicking the ever loving shit out of these two dudes that were kidnapping her. Uh, while, while Victor's ass sees everything and then, you know, kind of. Uh, makes her an offer she can't refuse, right? So right off the bat, one of her first assignments working as um, as the driver is she needs to pick up a diamond, right? They're picking up a diamond from I forgot from where. Do you remember? The what do you mean? Like where are they picking it up from? Because they go somewhere to pick it up. Her and Zaz, they go to pick it up, and then that's when uh, Zaz gets pickpocketed by Cassandra Kane. All right. <laughs> I, I forget exactly where they're getting it from, but, yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you. I can't remember exactly. Anyway, you want to explain who Cassandra Kane is real quick? 
Well, Cassandra Kane ends up becoming uh, Batgirl at some point, right? Or Batwoman, one of the two. Uh, no, she's um, Cassie Kane is this Ca- Cassandra Kane is uh, Batgirl. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And then there's yeah, because there's another Kane that becomes Batwoman. Okay, like oh, the Bat family's really fucking extensive. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Yeah. It, it, again, even someone like me who I've read so much Batman lore. Like, you know, I've really read comic books, but I, it's been a long time since I've read some of this stuff. And Cassandra Kane is more of a character that I remember by name than actual stories that I've seen her in. Yeah, because for the for the purpose of this film, Cassandra Kane is just like a street kid. Like, she's a pickpocket that goes around. She lives in uh, Dinah Lance's apartment building. And, you know, right off the bat, we find out that she's a foster kid. Her parents are fucking always fighting. And uh, Dinah kind of looks out for her, right? Like, she ends up giving her money so she can go get buy something to eat. Uh, and then we find out Cassandra has, like, little sticky fingers, and she just likes walking around Gotham City and, like, the, the financial district just pickpocketing all these rich people. <laughs> and, and you know, that's when we find out she ends up trying to pickpocket Cassandra, not, I'm not sorry, Cassandra, uh, Dinah, not knowing who she was or not realizing who she was. And, um... She ends up pickpocketing Victor Zaz, taking the diamond that he had, and, you know, while just as she's about to make a clean getaway, she finds out someone that she uh, that she had pickpocketed earlier called the cops. Cops end up chasing her and immediately arrest her, and now having the diamond on her she has no other option other than to swallow the diamond. <laughs> well, that's such a fucking kid thing to do. I was like, either do that or, you know, cheek it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely like the character of Cassandra Kane. They don't really do a ton with her. The same with Huntress. I feel like they're, they're characters that you just don't find out about as much, especially Huntress. I feel like she is much more, like, you know, ignored. Again, this is a Harley Quinn movie. It's not really a Birds of Prey movie, despite the fact that it's called Birds of Prey. Um, I mean, it they got are more like in the middle of its theatrical run. It got it was Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, and now it's just Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. Like <laughs> that is really weird. I don't think I could ever remember something like that happening. Where it, like yeah, like all the trailers like post it now that it's on. Uh, now that it's on streaming, they all say Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. And I was like, mm-hmm. what the hell is this? <laughs> but... They completely tried to lay. They, it's like they, they realized they fucked up, but by that point it was too late. And don't get me wrong, like I love the name. Mm-hmm. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation, blah 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 blah. Right? <laughs> like I thought it was I thought it was a tongue-in-cheek name, right? Mm-hmm. But then like the problem is, and it's one of the first criticisms we hear about this movie, is that this is a Harley Quinn movie. Honestly, like, we're talking a lot about the Birds of Prey to give a lot of people, like, their kind of due. But honestly, the I, I can maybe count, like, on both hands how many scenes, like, everyone is actually in it together, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they're not, like, they're, there's, um, they try to do a lot. They try to do a lot in a very short amount of time, right? And of course, you got to cut corners and sacrifice some. So oh, you know, funny enough, because we talked about like the parent, the Tarantino, like uh, kind of similarities in a lot of the style of this film. You know, when this film was uh, was in was like filming or in pre production, <laughs> the working title was Fox Force Five. 
Oh, that's pretty cool. Which, you know, for those who don't know, uh, it's the pilot that Uma Thurman's character uh, tells John Travolta that she did in the second uh, portion of Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, that's pretty rad. Oh, yeah. Fuck. That makes me like this movie more. <laughs> <laughs> Again, anyway. it is a movie where it's like, I think the saddest thing about this is that this movie is going to become more of a footnote in history. It's going to be forgotten and we'll probably never see something in this universe again. And I, the same thing. I just feel like for whatever reason, it didn't hit the right audience that we wanted. And it's just, you know, we're probably just not going to come back here. So we have to enjoy what we're getting in this film, I guess. And now, be ready, because in a movie like this, there is always a fucking exposition dump. But, you know, the, we Cassandra Kane gets taken to the GCPD. Uh, there, Montoya is, you know, is getting brained by the captain. She was covered in trash. Um, so she has to wear clothes from the lost and found bin. <laughs> and, whoa, and so she wears a shirt that says, I shave my balls for this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so she, she's like trying not to get fucking reamed by her captain while fucking wearing this like ridiculous t-shirt. Meanwhile, her ex-girlfriend is there. Pretty much they just are there to serve as exposition dump. So they, this is where we learn that the diamond that... Uh, Victor sat, Victor's ass had was a, uh, a the Bertinelli diamond, which was rumored to have a diamond that apparently was inscribed with the the accounts and the passwords to get the Bertinelli fortune. We find out that the Bertinellis were a crime family in Gotham. That the entire family was killed when Roman Sionis. Uh, took over and yada 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 like you know like it's just the roundabout it's they gotta explain what's going on right so the the whole purpose of the diamond is that it it can essentially get to a near fucking king's ransom amount of fucking money that the bertinelli's had right so now everyone that's the reason why everyone wants the diamond is so that they, they can all get the money so Harley Quinn is tortured and almost killed by Roman Sionis, uh, Black Mask, and uh, but she is able to kind of talk to Black Mask and tells him that she's willing to uh, go and get the diamond back. Uh, he hires her and gives her 24 hours. Meanwhile, also putting out a contract on the on Cassandra Kane, who is in. Uh, what's it called? Uh, possession of the diamond at the moment. So this creates a huge mad dash to who can get to the girl first. Uh, we get a cool action scene where Harley Quinn goes into the GCPD leading a one woman siege <laughs> where she beats the shit out of like every fucking cop imaginable. And she ends up fighting her way, getting uh, Cassandra Kane. But at this point, the mercenaries come to the GCPD. And they and they uh, trigger a jailbreak, and Harley has to fight her way out with Cassandra Kane in tow, and they manage to escape from the GCPD um, after a really cool fight scene in the evidence room where you know Harley does cocaine, she <laughs> hits people with bats, she fights Montoya, ends up kicking the crap out of her. Like yeah, I mean honestly, the fight choreography, I love the fucking action scenes in this film. The action scenes were fantastic. 
Angel? Yep, I'm here. Sorry. Alright. So yeah, as like, after they manage to get out of the GCPD, we get to see these nice little moments where Harley and Cassandra kind of bond, right? Like, she takes her shopping because she needs groceries. Meanwhile, um, they had to get her medicine so that they can get the diamond out of Cassandra. So they get her a shit ton of laxative of anything that can make her shit. And what was it? Um, you know, one of my favorite gags is that she, you know, Cassandra tells Harley, oh, yeah, I want to be like you. You're you're really cool and badass. And then she goes off and tells her about how she, you know, falls in love with her patient or she becomes like a, a clinical psychiatrist, falls in love with the patient, ends up breaking the patient out, gets thrown into bad chemicals, goes crazy, all this other shit. And then she tells her she can finally be like her. But she goes, in the meantime, I'll teach you some rules. And she goes, rule number one, paying for stuff is for suckers. <laughs> she ends up grabbing a shopping cart full of groceries and makes a mad dash straight out the fucking door. Just like hitting the poor bag boy with the fucking, with the fucking grocery cart. I was just like, damn, dude. <laughs> they really give no fucks. So they end up escaping, or they end up getting out there, and they go back to Hartley's apartment that is above a Chinese restaurant, and that takes us to Doc, good old Doc. You know, who Doc is supposed to be a character that, like, I guess understands all the ins and outs of what's going on in his corner of the city. Uh, he rents the space to Harley and her pet hyena, Bruce. You mean Bruce? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and when they get, you know, when they get into this, uh, apartment building, uh, that's where, I guess at some point we even find out that that place has been discovered and the people who, you know, who are trying to collect the bounty are, the other criminals are trying to blow, <laughs> blow this place up. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? They like, they like slingshot a fucking, like cannonball full of explosives in it into her apartment. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just really fucking over-the-top bullshit. And then Bruce disappears, Harley's, like, like upset and sad, and this is, like, the emotional part of the film, right? Because from here, mm-hmm. this is where Harley's gonna now sell Cassandra Kane out. Uh, she talks to Roman, uh, asking him, you know, to, to just come collect the bounty, and uh, we should be even, right? And and while all of this was happening, we you know we get all the in between scenes with Roman and Victor Zaz, which <laughs> funny enough, like I never would have thought of them as like characters that could secretly like be in love with each other, you know, as like a way to portray them. But I kind of really love it. <laughs> oh yeah, they wanted to fuck butts, that's for sure. <laughs> and like I think it's great, and the fact that Zaz is like almost, like, jealous of the fact that uh, Roman is kind of, like, intrigued by Black Canary. <laughs> like, he's, he gets like, totally so salty. Yeah. He gets so salty about it. It's hilarious. And, and while, and, and awesome, I think it's, uh, I do think that this scene where everyone is now going to convene on this abandoned amusement park, which feels like the real-life actualization of a set from Batman the Animated Series, uh, mm-hmm. While everyone is traveling to this, you got the hippie with your best shot playing in the background, which, you know, the soundtrack to this movie is great. I've added two or three of the songs from this soundtrack to our uh, podcast playlist, and it's a really good. Uh, I actually for, for, I actually like a lot of the songs on here, much like Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad had an awesome soundtrack. Like, I thought it was the best original soundtrack, uh, you know, to a film 
dude like a DC movie since Batman Forever, <laughs> which is an all time classic for me. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Imagine Dragons in it, by which I mean just one song. What? Like, <laughs> <laughs> mm. I don't know. I think I find them like a guilty pleasure. Like, I talk shit about Imagine Dragons because they're just like the poor man's Coldplay, <laughs> <laughs> and Coldplay is just like ass. All right, well, there's no Imagine Dragons on this soundtrack. Uh, and are you sure? I'm pretty sure it might be. I'll find <laughs> out. I'll do research. But uh, yeah, they they they're all convening on one spot, uh, and this is where all of our uh, titular Birds of Prey and Harley like all end up in the same hideout. Uh, <laughs> which I love the scene uh, where Harley gets like uh, she gets tranked by <laughs> by Zaz, and she's like. I guess, like, conscious, but can't really talk or move much. <laughs> and they ha- she has uh, Cassandra, like, in the toilet, like, d- duct taped to the toilet, <laughs> waiting for her to just, like, shit herself, like, <laughs> so she can shit the diamond out. Um, and, you know, while you have this, uh, Zaz is, you know, forget all of that, he'd rather just, like, cut this girl cut open to take the yeah. <laughs> to take the diamond out. Um, and obviously Canary does not want to do that. Uh, but (laughs) when I think it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's Huntress that ends up shooting him with a crossbow and Mm -hmm. (laughs) he ends up falling right next to Harley Quinn. And as she's like kind of regaining some of her, uh, some of like the motion in her limbs, <laughs> she grabs, she grabs the needle with her good hand and just starts jabbing at Zaz with it. <laughs> yeah, because he ends up getting like kicked and shot, and then like shot with the arrow, and then finally like he's already dead at this point because he has the arrow in his throat. But like Harley just starts stabbing him with the fucking like dart that she got shot with. And, yeah, it was pretty goofy. Um, that's one thing, you know, like they. It, it, you know, and and this is where we finally get a little bit more face time with uh, Huntress, who's revealed to be Hon- Helena Bertinelli, uh, the only surviving member of the Bertinelli family who went to Sicily, was trained by these badass, like, fucking enforcer assassin dudes, and then she came back to Gotham to exact revenge on any on everyone who uh, who uh, was involved in the murder of her family. And then we find out that the guys she was killing weren't just random killings, but that they were actually there the day of uh, the Bertinelli massacre. And then we find out, and you know, she she talks about how finally she has uh, she has uh, kind of like avenged her family. And Montoya tells her that no, actually, she the person that put out the hit originally was Roman Sionis. Mm-hmm. So unless she you know, kills him, she won't have revenge, and that's kind of the way they get him to work with each other, because we then find out Sionis comes with an entire fucking army of goons and masks? Oh, I love it. They are all 60s Batman henchmen. Like, it, it yeah, is what it feels like. It is. It's goons and costumes, and again, the set feels like a animated series hideout the villains feel like animated series 60s batman like henchmen this is the comic book world to where if you were going to give me like a real life version of it yes this is what i like i want to live in this world and they're all in no nah, i'm cool like there's a lot of collateral damage <laughs> 
Apparently the group is called the False Face Society, is yes. what I'm learning. <laughs> but pretty much, uh, and it's really cool, because like you were saying, everyone is starting to get like their trademark weapons, everyone gets like these... It, 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 like you said, this feels like a comic book world now. Black right? Mask is actually wearing his black mask. <laughs> All these characters, like, finally, it's seen us forever, but the Birds of Prey are finally in one place together. Mm-hmm. And then we get to see how they play off each other, how... You know, fucking, <laughs> fucking Huntress is like the overly dark, like gritty character that was popular in the '80s, to the point where she she's super awkward, making like small talk. <laughs> she can't. She just doesn't have small talk with people. Like they're they're. I love that part where they where they tell her, um, oh yeah. Uh, you know, do, do you, are you sure you have enough arrows for that bow of yours? And she goes, it's not a fucking bow and arrow. I'm not 12. <laughs> yeah. She's mad pissed about it. No, I love how she just, like, whines about it, too. Like, it's not even her just being upset about it. It's just like, I'm not 12. Is like the easiest way to look immature. That's is like, I don't fucking have an anger problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's like clearly said by someone with anger problems and then you know you got you got canary who kind of plays like the straight man to like fucking the uber dark and groom uh huntress and like the by the book montoya so it's re- you know it's pretty cool once they start interacting with each other but you know this takes us into the awesome fucking fight scene and like that weird uh I don't know what to call it, like a carousel? Yeah, it, or like this uh, this kind of like funhouse, right? And and there's like giant hands that are being used to slap villains, and they're all shoving Cassandra around <laughs> to mm-hmm. keep her from getting killed. But like, you know, it's just, again, we're watching just Harley smack the shit out of people with with her mallet. And I didn't mm-hmm. talk about this earlier, but the scene where, where Harley ends up breaking into the prison to, to take Cassandra out, right? I think mm-hmm. one of the things that I loved about that scene was they end up, at some point when she goes to the evidence locker and she doesn't really have any weapons, the weapon that she finds is the steel bat, which was mm-hmm. like her weapon of choice that we never really got to... I mean, they never really made a big deal out of it or made it really cool in Suicide Squad. But now you really got to see, like, just, you know, she she is really good with these weapons. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fu- it was fucking rad. Also, we, we forgot to mention the Easter egg where she uh, walks by the wanted poster at Captain Boomerang. and was like, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah it's fu- and apparently Margot Robbie is just, like, a fucking genetic freak that can master everything in, like, about a week's time. Margot Robbie deserves a shit ton of credit because, okay, when she was in Suicide Squad, I believe it was probably only her second big film. She was virtually an unknown. The only movie that she had really been in that that had any kind of popularity before that was Wolf of Wall Street, and she kind of popped Mm -hmm. up out of nowhere. And it's very easy when you come out of nowhere like that to just kind of coast on the fact that, yes, she is a very attractive actress. um, And, you know, what else can you do, right? I really Mm -hmm. appreciate the fact that, you know, this movie shows that she has a really good understanding of the character that she's playing. (laughs) And I can't imagine just like, you know, what the creator of Harley Quinn from the animated series, Paul Dini, has to think when he like just sees her play this character. Because I just think she knows, she just embodies it so well. And, And 
it's rare that you get an actor like and I think and I think we've talked Deadpool and I think uh, you know Ryan Reynolds was Ryan, the last guy to really like right, capture like a character. He's the only other guy to where it's like, yes, I can't picture anybody else doing this but you. Uh, I I would argue RDJ was like that. He was probably the first guy that really nailed what a character was like. And then the problem was that, you know, they kind of used that formula for him with everybody in the Marvel Universe. And then Ryan Reynolds comes along, and you, this is a guy that's having fun being that character. And like you said, then you see Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie goes on to fucking master, like, roller derby and roller skating in a week's time just so she can do her own stunts for this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, these are people that are just, like, they really take it upon themselves and go that extra mile. And also, big shout out to fucking uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead going from Scream Queen to fucking Jack the Shit, like Murder Woman in this one. <laughs> like, she was fucking ripped. And I was just like, damn, please yeah, step this? on my face. What? I mean, what's up? <laughs> I was watching this with my wife, and I was just like, who is this woman? I know her. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's like Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Scott Pilgrim. Uh, she was in Death Proof. She was in. Uh, you know, she's one of the Final Destination movies. She was in Ten Cloverfield Lane. Like she's in good stuff. I love the stuff that she's in. She always picks really good projects. Uh, she doesn't really get much to do in here, but I just love her presence in this movie. Mm-hmm. So eventually, the Birds of Prey end up finding their way out. Um, they fight their way out of the funhouse. Uh, we get to see some cool exchanges. Um, and then right as they're trying to escape, they get flanked by uh, some more of the of these uh, villain dudes, the Faceless Society, and they pretty uh, much got they got them all pinned down. And then um, we get then they the end up goddamn taking canary call. <laughs> you fucking almost creamed your jeans when we saw this. I swear to Christ, I fucking loved it. I again, you set this up earlier that she has a octave that she can hit that could break everything around her and then you just get her like doing the canary call and it just blows everybody away <laughs> and it just takes me back to the original Suicide Squad trailer and I guess the opening of the movie where uh, Amanda Waller is talking to those two generals and she talks about how you know Superman was just the beginning there are people around this world that are all you know that have all sorts of abilities and i think you did need one of those characters to kind of remind you of that world that you're in uh, yeah you need a metagene right you need yes. to establish that the metagene is still a thing um and yeah fucking they show it off it's fucking rad you know <laughs> like she goes off she uh she uses the canary scream knocks out the rest of the villains and harley quinn is able to like slingshot to get to uh to try to go after the uh the car roman sionis again getting away in so at this point uh huntress ends up working with harley quinn you know she go she catches up to her on the motorcycle and ends up like slingshotting her wrecking her bike in the way but slingshots harley quinn uh right at the car so that she can go and save uh cassandra kane they end up crashing the car and end up i forgot what the name of the harbor was do you remember the what the do you remember what the name of the harbor was was it important was uh, it like a callback to anything no i really can't remember what it was but yeah, yeah it was another set that looked exactly like something out of the animated series 
And I don't want to get big. I don't want to get super nerd about it. And okay, I will. I'm gonna go. Yeah, deep. shut the fuck up. I'm you know going deep, cool. so everybody just kind of bear with me. This straight up looks like uh, the Doc in that Robin origin episode of Batman the Animated Series. Like you are such a fucking nerd. <laughs> like it's just nerd the fog alert. and like you know like the darkness around it. Like I just love it. It, it again. This is the world that I just got. I love this Gotham City. How did you fuck? Like, what? With all your nerd shit, how do you like? How can you fuck? <laughs> like, <Leave> me alone. <laughs> like, how how did you talk to girls? <laughs> okay, I'm done picking on you. I'm done picking on you. But, like, was it the nerdiness that really like got them excited? Are you done? No. I mean, yeah, for now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'll pick on you in later episodes. Oh, I'm sure you will. Oh, God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, at this point, uh, Harley is going through the fog. She's going to try. She's, she has one. She has a gun that with one round in it, and she's got to make it count. So, she has to save Rome. Or, I mean, she has to save Cassandra. She takes this time to apologize to Cassandra to, you know, apologize for being such a dick and, like, trying to sell her out to Sionis. She lines up a shot what she thinks is uh, Sionis, ends up hitting it, but realizing it was a statue and not actually Sionis. Uh, she turns around and, you know, Black Mask has her dead rights and she's going to, and ready to kill, uh, ready to, to kill her and uh, Cassandra Kane. And then in a callback, a very clever callback from uh, earlier before the Funhouse fight scene, uh, Cassandra Kane was playing with one of Harley Quinn's grenades. We find out that she actually pickpocketed it, or she pocketed it without anyone realizing it, and ends up giving him the pin like a ring. Yes. <laughs> Which Harley Quinn drop kicks him <laughs> off the pier, and before he can land in the ocean, blows up into pieces and just lands into the water. That was just <laughs> the most Deadpool way to like kill off the villain. It was so fucking rad. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> and now someone and I, you know, like. And this and this was a point of criticism when I was talking to some of my friends because a lot of people were like, "Well, why'd you kill off the villain?" And I was just like, "Well, well, it's not a superhero film." Yeah, it's not a superhero film, and it's like, and for one, and for two, like the you're talking about Gotham, which has the biggest fucking rogues gallery of villains and like mob bosses, and you can do all kinds of shit. So, honest, ultimately, killing off the villain in this movie does not hurt it in any no, way. No, and you're also not you're you're also not making the the heroic characters do it. So it's not Canary, it's not Huntress, it's not uh, Montoya. It is specifically Harley, who we know is a villain, and it was very Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, these are all bad people, but they do things to even worse people, and that's why it's what, we go with it. It's what should have been in Suicide Squad, not it, these fucking... Absolutely, movies. my God. Like, it pisses then, me off the more I think about it. The only thing that gives me any kind of, like, excitement for it is the fact that, you know, uh, you hope that they make the Suicide Squad sequel a uh, R-rated film, 
And we already know Margot Robbie's coming back to do uh, Harley Quinn again. And I think she's only going to be better if this is what she was doing. And let's give... You know, let, let's let's try to see if the guy who made, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be able to do a... You know, to give us a more... How do I put it? A more like that Suicide Squad film that's just allowed to do its own thing a lot better. James Gunn is a fantastic filmmaker, and I cannot talk about that enough. Like, I don't want to turn this into, like, me being, like, sucking off Suicide Squad before it even comes out. But I do think it's some really good hands. The guy, like, he knows what he's doing, right? But, anyway, bringing it back to <laughs> Birds of Prey. So after, you know, the Roman, Roman Sionis' empire comes crumbling down, Montoya ends up quitting the GCPD, and they use the money that Helena was able to get from the diamond. No. Yeah, they were able to get uh, access back to the, to the Bertinelli accounts. Uh, they used her money. To fund the Birds of Prey operation. The Birds of Prey, <laughs> exactly. So they become this team of vigilantes, Harley ends up telling him to suck it because she's not really a hero type. <laughs> and they end up hawking the diamond itself at a pawn shop and using the money to pretty much become uh, mercenaries. Yeah. Um, by they, I mean Harley and Cassandra. Um, but yeah, they get this cool moment where they're at the taqueria and uh, the, yeah, they're just kind of hanging out. And you know what it really reminded me of? And it's funny going back to it because of... Uh, Rosie Perez, but it reminded me of that scene in uh, Pineapple Express where after everything, uh, Seth Rogen, James Franco, and Danny McBride go to that restaurant and they're just like eating and talking shit. Yes. <laughs> and the part where the guy goes, yeah, I killed him with a car. And they were like, fuck yeah. And they're like, dude, I just want a necklace. Like, that's a heart. And it just says best friends forever. Her best fucking friends forever. And then Danny McBride's like, yeah, I want the middle part so that way I can touch both of you guys. (laughs) Like, that was just that whole scene was just them talking shit and, like, making fun of each other. Um, And, yeah, you know, there was a uh, Harley's about to reveal a secret about Batman. Eh, I don't remember that. Post-credits scene. Yeah. Yeah. There is is a post-credits scene. We didn't stay for it when we watched it in the theater. I don't know if you watched it the second time you saw it in theaters, but I did catch it this time. It's more of a gag, right? It is more of a gag. And I feel like I'm just so sick of this because even Marvel is kind of like teasing their own post-credit gags now. And it's just like, (laughs) fuck off. Like, just fuck off with the post-credits. Like, period. sit here for longer than I have to, okay? Oh. <laughs> yeah, just stop it. Unless you're going to oh, tell me man. something that's worth telling me, you know, it's just, it's been done to death, and it's just like, oh my god, here we go, huh? Didn't you think it was funny that you waited for this? No, no, fuck you. I did not want to sit around and wait for this, so fuck off. Unless you tell me something important, like, there's definitely going to be a sequel. Like, suck it. Yeah, which, you know, there will be a sequel of sorts, because, again, like I said, Suicide Squad's coming, uh, but yeah, it's definitely, I'm very glad that this movie exists. Uh, well, this is still planned to be a part of a trilogy. The next one is supposed to be Gotham City Sirens, is what I was hearing. Oh, fuck, I swear to God, if that happens, I'm going to be so fucking happy. <laughs> I want this. I want more of this. This is giving, it's, it's. Give put it in your veins. A, yeah, put it in my veins. <laughs> like, I've never cared so much about a Batman-less Batman universe movie. <laughs> hey, man, the most important... Like, and this is where DC, like, really shines. 
um, as a general, in general, as far as being like a fucking content fucking print thing, right? Um, they're just really good. Like they're side projects. They they are so fucking good. And you it's like know their what it side is? characters are so fucking interesting. You want to know what like, it is? It's it's the fact that these bigger DC characters, all the Justice League characters, and and the larger universe stuff, we've seen it. We've seen Batman. We've seen Superman. And we've seen the best of those. The original Superman, uh, you know, and Superman 2, Dark Knight. Like, we've seen the best versions of these characters. So when you try to keep going back to them in certain ways, it's just diminishing returns. I'm cautiously optimistic for the Batman when it comes out. I just, you know, I, we'll, say, we'll have to see, right? Like, I mean, to me, the Dark Knight is still the standard for a you know, elevated comic book film, and I just don't think we're ever going to get back there again. Maybe. Yeah, I think Joker did, right? Like, and it's just, I think there's a place for that stuff. There's a place for those highbrow, like, you know, comic book projects, but then there's also just such a place for these so side characters. Your Deadpools and your Harley Quinn. <laughs> right, and Shazam, right? Like, these movies that are just, like, looking at different angles of these universes, and it's it's it just works. Definitely. So, Angel, you already sucked this movie off a lot throughout the episode, but did you like it? Yes. Yes, I did. I'm a DC fanboy. What the fuck did you expect was going to happen in this review? Uh, Bitch, you thought? And I'm not the only one. This movie had really good reviews when it came out. Really, the only thing that killed it was that there's a lot of people that didn't go see it. It wasn't promoted very well by Warner Brothers. And then this other thing happened where we're all indoors in our homes now. So there's just lots of different things that contributed to the fact that this movie, I think, it, it still needs... It may not even break even at this point. It might just be a net loss for the studio. Um, and it sucks, right? Because, I again, like, I think based off of my discussion of this film, like, you can tell, you know, I just, I love this movie. Um, I thought it was really awesome, and I'm glad this project actually got to exist. There were so many post-Batman v Superman DCEU projects that were supposed to come out and supposed to be made, and then Justice League happened, and they pulled the plug on a shit ton of projects, and again, you know, you just didn't know if you were ever, if, if some of these things were ever going to see the light of day, so they exist, they're good, you know, the director was a woman, the star and the producer is a woman, and I feel like just, it, it, there's an authenticity to it that I just think that you cannot, where I feel like what do you mean? They I, don't, I don't mean they to look. I don't mean to, I don't mean to dig. I don't mean to dig at, at, at David Iyer, but like it just we're not we're not ogling Harley Quinn the same way that they wanted us to do in Suicide Squad. You know, there's less there's there's less objectification about it, and you know I think this it even becomes a plot point in this film that the women of this team are not going to allow themselves to be objectified anymore. And I think it's just the fact that it's done from such a authentic perspective. It just, it works so much better. Uh, actually this movie made back its budget in the box office. Oh, well, fantastic. That's great news. So, Give me more. It was 82 to a hundred mil and made back 201 mil. Oh, almost 202. Awesome. That is, that so, is well, that's kind of breaking even. Yeah. So all right. I mean, because after marketing, right, you're looking right. at 
Well, I mean, that's also not including any any sales like you know domestic like you know. And also the fact that this you know that this movie is now on streaming services and really right now it's only available for purchase and mm-hmm. I purchased it because I of course I was gonna. You knew you were going to. Right. <laughs> Even the movies that I'm less crazy about, like Joker, I bought that. So, like, I will buy all of these. DC will get my money all the time. I'm a fucking whore for their stuff. <laughs> In conclusion, I'm a slut for crab rangoons. Oh, no, it was cream cheese rangoons. Uh, um, let's, let's How do you feel about this? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's crazy good. I think it's an alright movie. I think as far as superhero movies go, it's a fun little fucking outing following these characters. I thought the fucking location was great. The setting was great. Cinematography, you know, how they shoot it and everything was fucking great. Like you said, we're talking about the... If we're talking about the uh, soundtrack, the soundtrack was fucking fantastic. Like, the the fights were real choreographed. My biggest complaint about the movie is that Warner Brothers didn't know what they wanted this movie to be. They didn't know if they wanted it to be a Birds of Prey origin story. They didn't know if they wanted it to be a Harley Quinn movie. As a result, they couldn't... You know, they were trying to, like... They tried to stuff too much going on at one point. I felt like this movie could have been a lot better if they would have focused instead of the entirety of the Birds of Prey, maybe introduce certain characters one at a time, right? Um, Especially if you're already setting up Harley Quinn for an entire, like, trilogy of movies. um, Have have it lead up to a Birds of Prey movie. But, you know, it it is what it is. They they tried their best to do what they could. I thought the writing was great. I thought it was fantastic. Like, the I felt like the comedy was smart, spot on. Uh, I love that Harley Quinn is a Bernie bro. I thought that shit was hilarious. Um, I mean, ultimately, I thought it was a, it was a it, it was a fun movie, but it didn't really like push too much as far of as like superhero movies go or comic book movies go. Like it was it was fairly by the numbers as well. Um, I thought the cast was fantastic. I thought they did a great job. Um, I don't see myself revisiting this movie too often, but I also don't see myself revisiting Batman vs. Superman or The Suicide Squad too often. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those movies, it's like, I'm glad I watched it, I'm glad I got to experiment, experience it, glad I had, it was a fun outing. Um, I don't see myself coming back to it too often, though. Do you like to thank... You think I'm going to yell at you for that? No, absolutely I, I was, I was, I was ready for you no, to no, do no. it. Look, and, and this comes with a disclaimer every time that I've talked about comic book movies. It is clear what my opinion on DC and Marvel movies are, so you don't have to accept my opinion as gospel. It is literally just my opinion. I don't think that anyone else who has a difference of opinion for me is wrong. <laughs> the point of this episode of the podcast is literally just to tell the audience how I feel about this and why. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to thank every everyone for uh, you know downloading this episode. Those those of you who have and continuing to follow the podcast, you know uh, these episodes are definitely 
you know, they're, they're different. It's weirder to record these episodes when we're not in the same room together. I'm hoping that the, the quality of the conversations that we're having isn't dipping too much. Uh, you know, we're, I, I think I'm very much appreciating the fact that we can continue to do this uh, show. And thank you for continuing to support us by downloading the shows and interacting with us on social media. So uh, we definitely look forward to continuing uh, the series, uh, you know, every week you know that we're able to so much like the world we live in we're just complaining playing it one uh one week at a time yeah yeah Uh, we're just taking life as it comes on our face i mean what (laughs) this is is, uh, no (laughs) but no i mean like so many movies are getting pushed back now because of you know the things that are happening with COVID-19, right? So, so we, it, it gives us an opportunity to kind of let, you know, we'll be able to dig into more stuff that we've, you know, I, I think one of the things we'd like to focus on is stuff that's on streaming services. And I think we've all had discussions about that, both of us on the show, because obviously there's a lot of people who may be in our audience who are probably having rough financial times as well. You know, this is one of those weird world events that's affecting everyone. So we want to do what we can to make sure that as much of the content that we're reviewing is stuff that's readily available to those who already have these services. So, Yeah, yeah. and... Yeah, we appreciate you guys riding with us, rocking with us on this crazy times. We'll do our best to keep trying to put out content. Um, And we'll talk to you guys next time. Yeah. Later, turds.